Hello and welcome to Coffee with Candice. I'm your host, Candice Mama. I am geeking out about my next guest. His name is Andrew Gableck and he's the founder and creator of the world's leading numerology app, Tiller. Andrew and I are going to discuss everything from spirituality to love to new age and I think it's going to be a pretty fantastic conversation. As usual, if you like this podcast, please like, share, subscribe and without further ado, here's Andrew. Andrew. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing good, how are you? I'm great, I'm so happy we both got the yellow memo today. Oh man, I've been so excited to meet you. Likewise, likewise. Oh man, because I think you had me at hello when I downloaded Teledipity. Um, uh-huh. because these words right here. It said, Candace is here to counsel millions in humanitarian cause through visionary leadership. And I was like, yes, Candace is. <laughs> Pretty accurate description of your work. No, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. But before we get into Lodipity, which I really want to speak about, I want to speak a little bit about you because I watched your TED Talk. Uh-huh. And I remember it was just such a refreshing talk that I was like, oh my God, this guy is the coolest. Um, and I think for me, it was because you were so vulnerable. You just came out there, you were funny, you were quirky, and you were just yourself. And so when you were preparing for that talk, like, what were you going for? Uh, I, so I did, uh, I've done uh, three TEDx talks. And in the very first one, I was coached by just the most beautiful soul I've ever met, who was a girl who's my age, who was my age and was just an expert in these topics and she she just she like i had this idea that i wanted to share but she explained that that it was um nobody really absorbs an idea without knowing where it came from or who's who 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 thought of it and what's that person's story and nobody knows who you are unless you open up um, and she passed away about a year after we talked from lung cancer. Uh, so it's like her influence on me or her presence in my life kind of was magnified because we were, this, we were the same age and um, we were starting companies at the same time and they were taking off at the same time. And then this happened to her. So like every other te- TEDx talk that I or, or, or just uh, conference uh, that I participated in, her like I, I feel like her influence has been stronger and yeah I feel like I she taught me this whole structure to to an effective talk and it's story then idea then the the merging of the two and it really came from that uh so I like yeah I, I learned I learned to be vulnerable on stage and I learned that like coming out and being vulnerable um, makes you more comfortable. It's yeah. like the weirdest thing. It's an like it's a paradox, but like the more you you just open up about your shadow side on stage, the more real the rest of what you have to say becomes. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. It actually makes me think of this quote. Um, 
it was on Game of Thrones. I don't know if you watch it, but Tyrion Lannister, he's of course the imp for those who've never seen um, Game of Thrones. And he's giving someone advice and he says, when you own your weaknesses, then no one else can use them against you. And so yeah. it's like a superpower of sorts, right? When you come yeah. up and like, this is who I am and I'm very comfortable and confident being this person, then everyone mm-hmm. else doesn't have much to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, there's another quote that you reminded me of from Brené Brown, because I remember that uh, well, one of like one of my earlier talks, I I was very disappointed by it because I didn't feel like I, I said everything I wanted to say, and then I saw the videos, and I didn't look right just physically, and that like killed me. And then I I end up in, on one of her talks because she always soothes me when it comes to vulnerability. And she said, nobody wants a perfect person up on stage. Nobody's, nobody wants that. They, they, they tune it out because it's not, they, nobody wants that. So it's okay to go up there and screw up. Oh man, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like I think you, well, I mean, firstly, let's point out the fact that public speaking is one of the biggest fears people have. But yeah. if you take that fear and then you compound it with, your own insecurities as a human being and what you go through mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And I think the TED talk um, that I watched was the one where you were talking about, you know, how you were insecure about your weight because, you know, mm-hmm. your family also projected this onto you and you said something so beautiful. And it said, the root cause of shame is others opinion about you. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> like, it's like our relation to other people, like, how we believe people perceive us is what exactly. causes shame within us. And I'd never thought of that. I'd always thought shame stems from within. Actually, I never gave it much thought. But if I mm-hmm. would have sat down and really thought about it, it would have been, oh, it's coming from something wrong with me, right? So therefore, I have a right to be ashamed of this thing. Whereas it's really, yeah. how are other people going to perceive this thing, right? Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. Love- I, yeah, it maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a side of you that that knows you are perfect just the way you are and maybe there's another side of you that doubts it not because of anything inside you but because of what other people are saying that you are um and that's how like i mean i feel like uh, i talk uh when i write i talk a lot about like a division in the self there's ego and essence and essence is just like your soul, like what you, the, the most beautiful side of yourself. And ego is all the things that you, uh, the, the identities or stories that you develop about yourself in childhood and from your parents and like all this stuff that what you think you are rather than what you really are. And those can like really become separate. Um, but I think a lot of self-improvement is not like changing yourself, but just like cleaning up ego or teaching ego how to be more like essence uh so yeah that's incredible to people who don't know because like i mean when you start speaking about something like essence and ego Uh and people are like what is he talking about especially if they're not spiritual (laughs) people right because i I tend to be more on the spiritual side so i completely get what you're talking about so Uh it brings me back to your app teledipity you right you use numerology as a way of helping people and you've pointed out that this is not a predictive tool 
we've got free will mm -hmm. change what it is that we want to do but what got you into numerology what got you into the spiritual space where you've got this comprehension of ego essence and the likes okay um before i answer i just realized that i have my fan on and i don't want to screw your audio on your recording can i go turn it off <laughs> i'll be right back no problem Okay, much better. So how? <laughs> so numerology. I uh, I don't know what was first, the chicken or the egg, because what I remember about my childhood is that I was always spiritual, but my parents are not religious. They're both atheists, and I didn't grow up with religion really. I mean, other than celebrating Christmas, but more as like a a family thing, not really talking about Jesus or anything. Even I grew up in Mexico, but I, religion was not a part of my, my childhood, but I prayed and I wouldn't, uh, I didn't do it in the uh, Judeo-Christian sense, but I would talk to God a lot as a kid. And I, I don't know if independent of that or because of it, my grandmother, um, my dad's mom, she was, a mystic in every sense. She would, she was into astrology. She was into numerology. She was into like cards and would, would have all her like witch friends and seances and all that. And um, like, I mean, everybody in, and crystals and everything and, and everybody in the family like was aware of it, but nobody participated in it. Like her husband, like, and my dad and my uncle, they didn't really care for that side of her, but I really took an interest in it from very young, I would ask her about her crystals. I would ask her about like her, like her um, astrology uh, chart that she had in, in her wall. And um, eventually uh, the numerology side too. And I like, I don't know if it was my connection with her that made me interested in those things or if I was already born interested in like, obviously like just, I don't know, the chicken or the egg, who knows. But that's my first connection to it. And then later in life, I, right after I graduated from college, it was the Great Recession. So similar to today, uh, there were no jobs. Um, I, was, uh, I was fresh out of college and needed something. And I was competing for entry-level jobs with people who had like 10 years experience. And it was a, a complicated time where um, I kept going on interviews and second interviews and third interviews and nobody was hiring me. And I just started getting very anxious about it. And you know, when you're going through tough times, you're more likely to reach out to these systems because you want the universe to tell you the date where you get that thing you're looking for or the date where your struggles end. So like I was just Googling like, and like my astrology and everything. And like, I, I probably had not thought about it a, a lot as a teenager, but now was getting intense in it. And then reconnecting with numerology, it just speaks to me differently. I don't have anything against astrology and obviously they're very similar. So like, it's the, like I'm not an expert in it, but I feel like numerology is more specific. And I feel like when I read what numerology has to say about me or this month in my life or this year in my life, the accuracy is just more eerie mm -hmm. and more to the mark 
and there's points where it gets scary, but there's nothing more beautiful than that because it confirms that that there's a purpose to what you're going through. There's an order in the universe. And as you said, it's not about predestination. It doesn't tell you what you're going to do with what's thrown at you. It tells you what's going to be thrown at you. So it's like a poker game. Half of it is the cards you get and half of it is the decisions you make with the cards you get. So numerology tells you about the cards. It doesn't tell you what you're going to do. Um, But I just started getting obsessed with it and I get obsessed with the things that interest me. So I started like buying books on Amazon. A lot of them used because it was out of style at that time. Right now it's getting back into to yeah. style, but at the time it wasn't very popular, but it was huge in the seventies. So of numerology books, you see like when the waves of popularity coming go, it was very big around world war one. It was big again in the seventies and it's coming back now but in between there's some people practicing it and there's books from every decade and uh there's a lot of famous numerologists that that come in and out of style but you see where like it 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 reaches more i don't know if mainstream but at least mainstream among spiritual people like you and i and the 70s was a big decade and i think we're about to enter another one um but yeah, it just speaks to me. It makes perfect sense that, um, that you can see uh, what the universe has in store through numbers because numbers are everywhere. And if, if, a, if a rose petal is geometrically perfect and the universe is geometrically perfect, then your life and your name are also geometri- like mathematically perfect. So, yeah. Oh. I love the way you explain it. Like I could just listen to you go. <laughs> I find it so fascinating personally. I mean, because I think you and I have a similar um, exposure to it in the sense that I didn't grow up necessarily with someone fully invested in it. But my mm-hmm. mom was always incredibly curious about mysticism and astrology, mm-hmm. and this and that and tarot. And, you know, she would just loved everything mystical. And so when I grew up, I was very open-minded to it. I think by the time I was like 18, 19, um, I would like, there was this uh, popular website at the time that was just giving out free charts. And it was very comprehensive, mm-hmm. like 30 pages. And every friend I'd meet, I'd be like, watch, watch, give me everything. Your government name. I'm going to get you sorted. I'm going to let you understand you. Um, <laughs> so I love it. But I have to be honest. I think for me with Teledipity, what stood out is it, um, it has a different feel because obviously I've had numerology charts done before, but it feels much more personal. It feels much more like it's me. Um, whereas other charts are very generalized and very broad focused and very big, broad strokes. And I want to know, like, what was the thinking and engineering behind personalizing it to this degree? I, there, was, there was a little bit of planning and a little bit of serendipity to how those profiles came together. So I started... Um, the journey to building to like, I let, there were about four years of my life where I knew I wanted to build an, my own numerology site and make it better and, and more unique and combine it with technology to, to kind of take it to the next level. Because I feel like the, the first generation um, mysticism websites 
are very like are not using technology to its fullest extent and now the 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 abilities of technology have advanced to a point where you can get you can really get more targeted in a way where you couldn't in the early 2000s just because um programming languages and websites and apps they, they weren't where they are today so i wanted to like to be like the next generation and then years went by and i didn't do anything and then i start uh connecting with um just books about the law of attraction and techniques for manifestation and i i started getting really clear about what i wanted and it said um uh, i uh, i mean maybe i can find it and read it to you now but this is like a a five-year-old like mission statement of what teledipity was going to be and it said that i wanted i wanted to use numerology to build something that was so specific that everybody who read it would like would know that it was talking about them and that was i just had the intention and then just the ideas started coming my numerology numerology interpretations are three are a combination of three specific ingredients one is what the books say and what the systems say two is my own personal experiences so a lot of what i write about the three or the four or the five when it comes to the personalities is influenced by people i know who are threes or fours or fives who are in my life um and i'll just every time i was going to write i'm like okay i'm going to write the four in this section of the chart who do i know who has that and i had the whole list of my acquaintances and i i would look for the things that they have in common and then compare with the book and say like okay this is how it really is expressed and then write it um and like i mean a lot of i'm not going to say where but like when you get the same number as me like i'm just describing myself <laughs> and then like you'll know that it's talking about you cuz cuz we have the same number so we're experiencing it in the same way uh and then with the forecast it's the same like there's a, there's a part that's this numerology this is what the number says about when you advance through this vibration another part is what i remember ha- was happening to me at the time where i was going through that vibration and i have a very good memory and i can compare like the, like the last 2 years i've had these are the things that were happening and this is what's in common about them and this is what what is in the book so like okay i can explain it this way that is different um but it's it's still talking about it and also like i'm like i have this uh i have this numerology calculator in my phone where i'm tracking people that i know and when people say like oh my god i just got fired or oh i just met somebody i'll make note of where they are in the 9 year cycle and that starts influencing when i do forecasting a lot so it's a, it's the books but it's also what i see and learn just from life experience knowing what what numerology is under it and then the third is like i i incorporate a like i i'm a, i'm kind of like a maven of uh self improvement books and spiritual books so i read i'm constantly reading them and if i connect with an author writing about a topic that is connected to what numerology says you're supposed to be thinking about right now or whatever i'll incorporate that too and it you always say like it it it's noted it's like this this passage is based on this book by this author or uh like i always give credit but i i'm also influenced just by everything that i read and it comes in so there's a like 
I would say that instead of just being very cold about saying what a number says, I put a lot of soul into it because it's either my own experience or what a really smart person thinks about the topic or just what I've seen from other people, either how they are or, or what happens to them in a certain number. And that's all part of the writing that you get from Teledipity. So I think that's where the, the uniqueness comes in. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And as you're describing this, there is a lot of thought that goes into this process and into this, you know, system. And for mm -hmm. me, I still find in some ways, right, numerology is so accurate, but people still have a resistance to it. Whereas with Enneagram, right, people are very mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, that's my Enneagram, you know, or this, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. But numerology is still like, uh, uh. so do you see us changing? Because I think there is a new spiritual wave taking over i'm seeing a mm -hmm. lot of tarot readers that are like in their 20s mm -hmm. and numerology and astrology so do you think that numerology is going into that mainstream wave i think so and i um i need to mute my notification sorry um i i think so and I think, I think the aversion, I, I'm not sure like the aversion you're speaking to if, cause there's, there can be two types of aversion to numerology. One is the skeptics that are skeptic of anything spiritual. Those people I never try to convince. I don't really care what they think. It's like, if you need scientific evidence, just don't engage. It's fine. We're like, you can find your, uh, you can find what speaks to you outside of the spiritual realms. I don't really, because I'm asked a lot about that. Like, how do you convince the skeptics? And my answer is like, I don't need the whole world to follow numerology. It's not, I don't think there's ever, a, there will ever be a century in human history where everybody believes the same thing or just using the same, like, like it's not my mission to, to bring numerology to the whole planet. It's my mission to bring numerology to the people that feel called by it or that, that find something in it. So I, I don't really worry a lot about convincing anybody, but if it's somebody that's already spiritual, like they're all into astrology, all into Enneagram and all that stuff. And they don't, they don't either feel like numerology is useful. It's probably because they've either, they've either never read it or they read it from somebody that's not the best writer or the best person at explaining it. Because if you get a chart from another numerology site, um, more likely you're getting something from, um, from Hans Decoz, who's very famous and uh, he built a software that he sells licenses on. So a lot of the, a lot of like astrology sites that sell numerology reports are just selling his reports because he made a very good report and he just sells licenses to any third parties. Or they're just like, like people that, that write in very general terms. So I, I mean, I think if you wanted to check out numerology, create your teledipity report and you'll like, you'll get into it. And if teledipity doesn't speak to you, then I don't, you will probably never be into numerology. People do not subscribe to teledipity and love it and say this numerology app is completely accurate to me. Then they're never going to get into astrology. That's, I mean, numerology. Exactly. Thing. No, but I want to know. Exactly. Or do you ever feel tempted to use it in a predictive way, like using um, 
numerology as a predictive tool. When am I going to meet the love of my life? <laughs> well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, definitely. And that's, I mean, I, I kind of do use it as a predictive tool because I send the, the, the monthly forecasts and weekly forecasts for people who are premium members. Um, and there is the predictive side to it. Um, and I think here's the way I'll explain it. Um, cause people ask me like, Oh, like you must be super cool. Cause you always know what's going to happen to you. Uh, like you always know what this year is going to be. And my answer is yes and no, because I can like, when, when the year started for me, I knew it was going to be a tough year. I knew it was going to be a slow year. And I knew that, that my objectives were going to kind of like be on pause. And I was, I had a really good inertia going last year, but I'm, I entered into an 11 year and I knew that unexpected things would happen that would slow me down and that I was okay with it. I was not imagining a pandemic. I was not imagining getting like infected because I had coronavirus for two months. Uh, so like, I, like, I didn't know what it was, but I knew what kind of year I was going to have. And this happens to users of the site a lot. And they'll tell me the same thing. Like you read your forecast on the first of the month and you have very clear visions of what, what's going to happen based on what I'm saying, like how that will rep, will be represented in your life. And then at the end of the month, you read it again and you see it was extremely accurate, just not what you imagined. It was something completely different. But if you read it again, you're like, yeah, yeah, no, that was right. That was right. That was right. But it's just not what you pictured when you first read it. So like the element of surprise is still there. Like you still don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a weather report. It's different from like, I can, like, I can tell you it's going to rain, but I'm not, I can't tell you like, it's going to rain and you're going to wake up late and you're going to decide to go get a cup of coffee. And then when you're in the coffee house, you're going to get this idea about you're like, those things just are more like are either unpredictable or also depend on what you do. So um, it's accurate, but you life always surprises you still. So. so the manifestation of it isn't what yeah. you think it's going to be. <laughs> but it's no. No, almost never. Almost <laughs> not. Like, I mean, I've, I've known my own numerology report for a decade and I've never, I've never been accurate about what I predict for myself. It's still aligned with numerology, but it's always something else, something oh, different from what I'm thinking. Yeah. So what stops you from like, let's say you're going on a first date with someone and you think, uh -huh. oh, I really like this person and da, 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 da. And you're like, let me go see our compatibility report. And let's say the compatibility report is like, <laughs> you make a decision based on that or is there like, what do you look at when you're looking at that? So you're right when you say that if I go on a date, I like, I'll immediately like, I'll try to. I'll try to get their name and their full name and birth date as quickly as I can to okay, see their number. Let's just pause quickly. So how exactly uh -huh. do you bring this about? Are you like, no, no, no. So do you have a second name, a third name, a fourth name? <laughs> like it either comes organically in the conversation or a good trick that I usually do, which I don't, I don't think would work for astrologers, but it works for me is like, oh, let me see your, like your ID on your driver's license, your, your, your picture on your driver's license. Because then I see it and then I, the full name and birth date is right there. <laughs> the of it all. I love it. Yeah. But so like yeah, I'll look at the numbers and I don't I don't I don't stop 
seeing anybody based on their numbers. And I'm very compatibility when it comes to numerology or astrology is super fun. And I use it a lot. And I'm, I mean, it's, I'm building this new side of the software, which, which we're releasing slowly, which is being able to, to pull those for like coworker relationships and friend relationships and, and love relationships. And I think it's a really fun part of numerology, but I, I'm always wary of it because the way people use it is not how you should use it. When people say like, I can't date X because they're a Virgo. I always cringe because I don't know astrology, but I know that's not how it works because like, you know, there's serial killers out there and they'll have numerology profiles too. And I bet you there's a serial killer out in the world with a perfectly compatible report to you. So it can't just be about numerology. There has to be something else. And like every, like when, when you see a number in a numerology chart, a number is a vibration, but vibrations can be expressed in negative ways and in positive ways. And you don't know where in the spectrum that person is. There's very negative aspects of the five and very positive aspects of the five. And if you get a negative five, that's a really difficult person to have a relationship with. If you get a positive five, that's an awesome person to have a relationship with. So the, the compatibility will tell me how threes and fives get along, but not, I can't, I'm not sure if you're with a negative five or a positive five. And again, serial killers have numbers. So like, you can't just go by the compatibility report. There's also, you have to get to know the person. So a, a, like a compatibility report can tell you, here's where you're likely to have friction because you see the world in different ways based on this. Here's where you're likely to have friction because you have different priorities based on this. This is the area where you're going to have to work the most in your relationship. But a report will never tell you this relationship is worth your time or this relationship is, isn't worth your time. And I really, even though I'm, I'm building out this side of the product, I'm, I really hate when people say, I'm not going to date this person because of the, what the compatibility report says. Because that's not, that's not really how numerology or astrology should be used at all. I love that. I love the clarity of it because I think that is how people um, classify, right? Like I don't date mm -hmm. Scorpios, they too intense. Mm -hmm. um, and you're mm -hmm. like, come on, dude. Like <laughs> exactly. Scorpios, these terrible Scorpios. Like it just, mm -hmm. I mean, it's the spectrum of humanity, right? You're going to get, yeah. like you said, a great one who's like, yeah, amazing. And they exhibit the most positive qualities. And then you'll get mm -hmm. a Trump who's some, a number, I'm not sure what it is, but then you'll yeah. be like, oh, he's probably not mm -hmm. the best manifestation of this particular number. And yeah. so for you, as you've been going through this journey of, you know, growing and learning about numerology, like what excites you the most about this? Like what excites you about growing this platform? I think, uh, I think numerology is, is a really, um, a really cool tool, but I'm more interested in the effect of the tool than the tool itself. And the effect of the tool for me, or what my mission is with, with the Teledipity platform, is that it inserts spirituality into your daily life. That whenever you get an email, whenever you get a notification, or whenever you go in because you're trying to find some answer, it, it's, a, it's a reflection inducer. It helps you look at your life from a different perspective, from more like the spiritual perspective. So I feel like we lost this and humans are more used to living this way where 
in ancient times, spiritual thinking was an organic part of daily life. It was always inserted. Religion was not just going to church. It was art. It was music. It was like um, daily readings or, or, or whatever else. It was just in like sprinkled throughout your day. And in modern times, two things have been happening. Now, I'm not against any religion, but I feel like, like religions today have gotten very narrow in their kind of like um, expression of spiritual life. And maybe there's, there's, there's um, uh, denominations in each religion that are better at it than others. And then maybe there's like, but regardless of that, what you're seeing is a trend where there's a lot of people, millennial generation and onwards, that are not engaging with religion as much. And the problem is, is that whether or not you want religion in your life, spirituality has to be in your life because spirituality is, is an, an essential ingredient of the well-rounded human. And spirituality doesn't necessarily require uh, mystical or magical thinking. But it, it's any time that you think about your life from the larger perspective. What's my mission here? What am I supposed to do? What, ha- like, what, like, just any existential question is spiritual thinking. How does the universe work? How does, um, like, how do I live a better life? These are spiritual questions. And I don't feel like modern day is very conducive to, to remember to have them all the time. And it's not about giving anybody the answer, but it's about encouraging them to like, hey, why don't you think about the larger perspective instead of just like your next job? Why don't you think about the larger perspective instead of just like, oh, I want to meet somebody and get a relationship. Like, who are you? Like, what Like, what do you want to do with this life story that you get? And I want a technology tool that constantly reminds you to think that way throughout the day and i think in my case numerology is how i accomplish that because it's it's very conducive to like it's a four day it's a five day it's a three month and just inspiring those questions in that way so i like the 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 the, the vision for my platform is that it's just a reflection inducer Mm -hmm. um and connecting you with spiritual questions in times where you wouldn't normally have them oh that's so important. And I like what you've covered with, you know, in terms of religion, I think you can be religious without being spiritual. Yep. I don't feel like it's a holistic life. I think you can follow a no. teaching without it enriching your soul. And I think spirituality mm-hmm. is what allows it to enrich your soul, right? Um, mm-hmm. Believing in that concept of each other, like in South Africa, we've got a word called Ubuntu, which is I am because you are. So it really does force you to think of the other person. What is my reason for being here? Surely it's not just to get married. Surely it's not just, you know, get this job. Surely, you know, and really asking yourself the big questions. And I love that. I love that that's the mission for you. Um, And as far as spirituality goes, you know, you were speaking about like, you know, really asking these questions. Do you have like practices that you engage in? You know, do you have something like meditation rituals? Like what do you do to maintain your spirituality? Um, in terms of like daily practices, I, I meditate twice a day in the morning and before going to bed. They are 
kind of, um, they're not like quiet your mind meditations. They're more like visualizing um, or like uh, just healing uh, the energy, like chakras in your body. So there's an objective to them and there's, there's, um, there's a process that I go through. Uh, I do a lot of, I have, um, I used to use vision boards. Now I have mind movies where like you just visualize like what, where you're trying to get to and like just cut in different images or movies of, of what your objectives are. So like you see them and get excited about them. Uh, and I, every day I go on a walk listening to a book. I'm more, I, I'm a little bit ADD. So reading physical books is harder for me than just listening. If I listen to a book, I'll absorb all the information, even if it's like an eight hour listening, like uh, a session. So I walk and listen to books. And those are kind of like the daily practices outside of that. Um, if it's, it depends on what's going on. But if it's, if there's something complicated happening in my life, I do pray. And it's not like I'm not kneeling down or, or putting my palms together, but I do try to have like a direct conversation with source or energy or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's mm -hmm. about it. Oh, and I, I have a bunch of crystals on my desk, but I don't like, I'm not an expert in how they work. I just do my own little thing with them. Um, but that's it. Oh, I love that because I have crystals too. I love crystals. Um, and okay, so you know, you you just spoke us through your spiritual practice, you know. And sometimes people tend to think when you're a spiritual being, all of a sudden you can bypass um, certain emotions and you can bypass certain experiences. Like, oh, you spiritual, you shouldn't need to have a relationship, or you shouldn't have a craving or a yearning for a relationship, or money, or this, or that. And do you find that you encounter people like that who are like, Andrew, why do you want a relationship, man? You're like so spiritual. You know what I want to say? Especially, especially my family. Because oh. they'll, like, they'll be like, I mean, I'm all like, here's the thing. When you're a content creator talking about spiritual or self-improvement topics, like at no point am I pretending that I'm perfect or that I've mastered all the, like I'm just explaining them really well. I'm not perfect. I'm still a human being and I can get angry. I can get frustrated. I can be sad. I'm a human being, but like it happens a lot with family. We are like, Oh, like, like what happened to your Pythagoras stuff? Like what you should, you should be more calm right now. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm a writer, but I, I like, I'm not, I'm not a perfect person teaching other people to be perfect. And I never pretend to be. And I mean, you, you saw that in, in my speeches, like, I'm not like, I don't think anybody should approach any content creation in self-improvement pretending that they've figured it out. Cause you never know if you figured it out. And anytime you think you've figured it out, that's likely when you're repressing something and not seeing something that's, that's like driving so you like, I think healing, um, is possible. And I think it's, it's possible to ascend to higher levels, but I don't think it's possible to evaluate yourself in terms of like, have I, have I reached like a higher state or not? Mm. You don't, you never know. Um, and I don't think you, you also shouldn't see it as a journey that has an end point where like, I reached this mountaintop of enlightenment and then 
I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's not real. Like it's a, that's not, that's not, I mean, if you, if you reach that level of enlightenment, you probably wouldn't be in this dimension. <laughs> and uh, if you're in this dimension, you're as imperfect as everybody else. All right. That's how I see it. Uh, in terms of spiritual bypassing, I feel like, um, uh, I've seen it a lot this year. Um, I follow a lot of influencers in this space and, um, I hear a lot of, I listen to a lot of podcasts in this space and I've, um, we are all going through an un, well, not unprecedented, but very unique time in history. Like what we're living hadn't happened in a century. So it's a pretty unique time. And there's a, there's a person that professes to be spiritual can and can move through crises in two different ways. The first is to say, I'm fine. I'm always fine. I, I always tap into my peace. I, like I'm always happy. This is not really affecting me. I'm teaching others how to deal with this because I'm really at peace. I've learned how to deal with these situations and I'm just trying to give these happiness to others or yeah, I'm pretty scared. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I mean, I cried the other day. I'm feeling better today. I'm like, I'm trying not to get this virus. I don't know how to control. Like, are you, are you going to, are you going to pretend to be superhuman or are you just going to be honest and vulnerable about what you're really feeling? And the first is what you call spiritual bypassing. And there's a lot of spiritual people doing that right now. Uh, and I hear a lot of people saying stuff like, and I mean, I don't want to get into the debate about the virus, but you're in South Africa, I'm in Mexico. We've seen a little bit of the worst of it. And there's people saying like, if you don't think about it, you won't catch it. Cause law of attraction, you, you like, you that, no, that's not how it works. And I'm not saying that we need to live in fear, but you have to look at what's in front of you. If you have financial difficulties, you don't say like, no, I don't have a problem. No, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to look at my bank account. Like, no, you, you, you confront your problem and then you figure out the solution. So I think there's a, like people mistake denial for positivity and optimism and um, people mistake an honest expression of emotion, whether it's fear or sadness or anger for weakness. And I don't believe in either. I think the bravest people are the ones that say like, I'm pissed off right now and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I couldn't agree more because I think even my work, I do work in forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, and I always have to tell people, I'm like, look, I'm teaching you a skill that I've learned and I continue to practice. And life keeps mm -hmm. throwing me situations where I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I need to forgive. Ooh, okay. <laughs> you know? And sometimes it takes me a second, you know, and sometimes like, yeah. there's this joke I always tell about, I was breaking up with someone and so he says to me and he pauses and he's like, he looks like he's in complete shock and he looks at me very sincerely. And I'm like, Oh, you know, he's going to be so sad without me Oh, the devastation. And then he looks at me and goes, are you kidding me? And I'm like, Whoa, he's really devastated. Um, and then he goes, you can forgive a mass murderer, but you can't forgive me. And I was like, wow. Okay. No, no. <laughs> And I'm just like, and I couldn't help but laugh in that moment because I'm like, it's so true. In that moment, Whoa. 
forgiveness didn't even factor into the equation. I was just like, I need you out of my yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I mean, the, the fallacy in that line of thinking is, is that you can forgive him and not date him. Like you don't have to date him to forgive him. You could just say out of my life and then forgive him later. So it doesn't negate the forgiveness. Right. Which, which happened, which ex exactly yeah. what happened. But I think it is true. I think it is so important to point out that emotions are exactly that, you know, they're your body's alarm system. They're pointing you towards something that either needs addressing, needs healing, you know, or just needs acknowledgement. Because sometimes mm -hmm. like what I've discovered is I'll be going through an emotion. And as soon as I tell someone like, I'm feeling anxious, or I name it, whatever it is. I'm feeling like really irritable. I'm feeling this. It starts to lose its power. It's when I suppress yeah. it and I'm like, I'm not angry, um, that I t tend to get angrier and angrier. And that angry. you magnify it. And isn't yeah. it that saying what you resist persists, right? And it's so mm -hmm. true with the mind, with your emotions. And I find what you're saying to be so true about how the spiritual community does end up being in these two facets either denialism, which is like, if you are experiencing anything in your life, you brought it upon yourself and it's like you attracted it and you, you know, you thought about it and so on and so forth. Or there's the other part where it's like, be balanced. This human journey is here to teach you lessons. And it's through the pain most of the time that we learn our lessons. Cause I don't know about you, Andrew, but when I'm happy and I'm content, I'm not like, Oh, let me go seek spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, no. <laughs> You know? <laughs> and it's kind of what you said yeah. about how you started your app, right? Like it came from this place of like, I need answers. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. so, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's kind of like, it's not what, it's what brings you back when you've strayed. It's not what you, yeah. Oh man. And it's interesting because you spoke a little bit about your family and and so I want to know, how does your family take it? How does your family, because your parents aren't religious or spiritual, um, so how does the rest of your mm -hmm. family accept what you do and your path that you've taken? Um, I, so I feel like, I feel like my, my parents don't, don't engage in it as like active users because it's not aligned with their view of the world, but they're still very supportive of me. They, they still celebrate my accomplishments. So like they still ask me how the business is going. So I do have a lot of uh, close friends and my little sister who are people who weren't spiritual before. And then because of teledipity, they've, they've opened up to, to that line of thinking. Um, and I do hear these stories a lot and they're my favorite, my favorite, my favorite. When somebody says, I didn't do astrology, I didn't do horoscopes, but this, I like this. And I don't know why, but I like this. That I'm able to like bring people who wouldn't have used any other site like, like mine, but there's something about mine that, that, that invites them in. Um, I've seen it in my family and I've, and I've, I've, people have emailed me about it. And that's like, that's where I feel the most, uh, like grateful for being able to do this because it, like just bringing somebody into just not like it's, it, I, I don't pretend that numerology like will fix your life or will change your life, but just the fun of engaging with it, uh, and like, 
being able to, to inject that fun into others. That's, that's why I do what I do. So. I love that. I love that. And I think it also gives you comfort because it's yeah. like, someone gets me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah. And it's, it's a very, it's a very important thing because I can't even begin to explain all the times before and after launching my company of saying what I want to do or I'm doing and people rolling their eyes or just like really feeling the energy of disdain. Be like, really that this is what you do. Like just meeting somebody at a networking event. It's like, yeah, I have a, a, a numerology app. It's like horoscopes where it's different. And people are like, Oh, like, I mean, I, I there's a lot of rejection that comes with, with what I do. If I said that I was building some productivity app, everybody would be like, Oh, like, that's awesome. But with like, with numerology, I, I, I see and receive a lot of disdain from people that don't get it or think that this is pseudoscience or whatever. And um, the celebration of people who do get it is super important. Cause like, I mean, you can know what you're passionate about and why you're doing what you're doing, but it's very different where you're the only one hearing the music than after you cross that to the other side of the bridge where, uh, where you're able to, to just build a tribe and connect with other people like you. So to anybody who feels like they're crazy with their crazy dreams um, and like sensing or feeling a lot of rejection, get through that part. Um, cause the other side is pretty awesome. Oh, that is such a great note. That is just such a great yeah. note to, you know, start closing it off on because I think any person who goes off on a path that's unique to them, mm -hmm. um, and that you haven't seen mirrored or played before, it's very challenging. Mm -hmm. You do fall yeah. down quite a bit and you do get quite a bit of rejection. And also a lot mm -hmm. of people around you, as much as they love you, they don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> they're like then do something else andrew if people don't like yeah. your morality you just do something <laughs> and you're like yeah. i want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100 oh, so closing this off andrew i want to know what is your life path <laughs> <laughs> i um my life path i'm a five uh i'm a five with three sevens and ones so my life, like when you, when you talk about the five in terms of the life path, it's about um, freedom and the concept of freedom in all areas of the life, freedom from um, emotional freedom, spiritual freedom, financial freedom, like just every plane of existence. And people who go through the five life path have to um, adapt to change because change comes very quickly and of often unexpectedly under the five vibration. Um, never really feel attached to anything because things come and go. Like when you're under a five, like, and this applies to you, if you're in a five year or in a five month, you just have to like go with the stream of life because under the five, you experience three or four more changes than the average person. Uh, so it's always like a little bit of unstable uh, and uncertainty is always there. Um, and it's about adapting to change and, um, and understanding the true meaning of freedom in all its different aspects. Uh, so that's how I would describe it. 
Wow. And okay. Are so, you are you a nine? Um, I think I'm a one. Okay, leader. Yeah. I'm a one. Yeah. I don't quite understand the full book of a numerology yet. You know, so uh -huh. it's a one, and then it's got a two here and a four here. So I, I don't understand the depth of it, but I know mm -hmm. I'm a one. That's yeah. Sure. I'm getting I'm getting a lot of nine energy from you because I can detect it now without looking at a chart. And I so there's there has to be nines, but it, it like when you when you said it was leadership and humanitarian causes the humanitarian is coming from the nine and the leadership is coming from the one. So I feel like there's a bunch of nines in your chart too. Um, That's insane. I love yeah. the fact that you can do that. Like already for me, like you've got me geeking out. Cause I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, you can walk in and tell what people are. I'm to the party, Andrew. Like you would be my party friend all the time. I'd be like, you would even put me on a date. I'd just be like, I need you to sit at that table and just watch his energy. Watch his energy. That's what I ask. Ah, Andrew, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for just spending time with me. I've loved this. My pleasure. It's been awesome to meet you. I hope we can we can chat more in a non-podcast recording <laughs> setting so we can just talk more. Because, uh, yeah, I love talking. Uh, I love getting to know you. I loved reading about you when when we were introduced by Candace. So like, I want to hear more about what you're doing. And um, yeah, and I have to tell you, um, this year, I have no idea why, but I've had dreams about Cape Town. And I've never been, but I, there was the one night in May where like I was in the city and like, I like this, this mountains and the like the, the, uh, the sea and everything. And I was like, I didn't know where I was, but I woke up and I was like, I think that's South Africa. And I Google it and the pictures are identical. And I, I didn't like, I, like, I didn't like, so there's something, I don't know what, but there's something about South Africa that's coming through psychically to me this year. I don't know. Come to South Africa. That's what it's telling me. I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to. Well, you've got a friend here, so that's perfect. <laughs> awesome. Are you, are you in Cape Town or Johannesburg? I'm in Johannesburg. But Cape Town's like around the corner. We can take a flight. And I told awesome. you, I'm taking you everywhere, Andrew. I'm taking you everywhere. <laughs> I would love to. I've like, I, this, it has to be my next trip. It just has oh, to be. Please, please make it your next trip. And we absolutely Mexico, right? Are you Mexico right now? Yeah, yeah. Two hours north of Mexico City. Oh, amazing, amazing. Like narcissism, because it feels like one of the the, the bigger things I'm seeing right now is that I think. And listen, I believe in the law of attraction. I believe in manifestation. I know it's, it's an accurate description of what's going on, but there's such a focus on it, it seems, especially on social media with a lot of spiritual influencers, where it feels like spirituality is becoming a, a lot about what I can get for myself or what I can manifest for myself. And there's not a lot of talk of the collective. And this year is really putting like a, a magnifying glass on the fact that we're, we're facing this crisis and people are putting their own needs sometimes before the collective. And I feel like, I mean, spirituality is a little bit about the individual, but it's also about the community. And sometimes, not always, not, not forever, but sometimes you do have to sacrifice your own needs for the good of others and that seems to be something that 
is getting missed because there's a lot of individualism that has been a part of our culture for so long where we're, we advance through a situation like this and it's just not, not something that, that comes easy to people saying like, you know what? It's going to be an uncomfortable year and it's okay. It's not forever. It can be nine months. It can be 12 months. It can be 18 months, but it's not forever. And if you don't, if you're not able to do everything you want to do, and if you're not able to have the life you want to have for 18 months, it's not that big a deal when it means that you're taking care of others mm. and it's okay. And I don't see, like, I see more as the, the live your best life spirituality and not the let's take care of each other spirituality. Oh. Um, and. Oh man, you, you just, you know, covered something that's so important. And I'm so glad you said that um, in this episode, because I think it is important for people to start getting into that mentality that says, yes, you know, I want to be great. I want all these amazing things, but I can't have this if the rest of the world is crumbling, you know? So yeah. you advancing and living your best life at the expense of, you know, the rest of the collective or at the fact that you don't want to wear a mask for goodness sake, or you don't want to do something mm -hmm. that's so small that you're like, okay, mm -hmm. if you don't believe it works, then just do it anyway. <laughs> you know, it's not mm -hmm. going to kill you. Um, yeah. People are much more, um, oh, poor me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. 2020 and COVID for me, with all the devastation, and I don't want to minimize it, I yeah. think it has been such an important year collectively in humanity to really say the system we've been living under is not working. It's not functioning optimally. It is at the detriment of most of us. And if we don't change our line of thinking, if we don't change our vibrational frequency, if we don't start speaking about these spiritual practices, for goodness sake, you know, respecting each other, I genuinely don't know how we're going to continue to move forward, right? Because without love, without hope, I don't see a better world. No, I don't think the 21st century would have ended well if we, if there was no coronavirus and if, if we had just gone on the way we were, um, I mean, just from the environmental perspective, we would have been over, but there also economically and politically, and uh, there's a, there was a lot that needed to change and we just didn't have the wherewithal to, to change it. And we probably still don't, but, um, it's the beginning of a, of a process of change. And uh, I have faith in humanity because we've always figured it out at some point. So uh, I have, I'm hopeful that we will. Uh, and I agree. I, I, I like, I'm not like, I'm not disconnected from the devastation. I got the virus and I was very sick. So I understand the suffering that comes with this process of change, but it's, there's no question that it's a blessing in disguise. Oh man. Like narcissism, because it feels like one of the, the, the bigger things I'm seeing right now is that I think, and listen, I believe in the law of attraction. I believe in manifestation. I know it's, it's an accurate description of what's going on, but there's such a focus on it. It seems, especially on social media with a lot of spiritual influencers where it feels like spirituality is becoming a, a lot about what I can get for myself or what I can, manifest for myself and there's not a lot of talk of the collective and this year is really putting like a magnifying glass on the fact that we're 
we're facing this crisis and people are putting their own needs sometimes before the collective. And I feel like, I mean, spirituality is a little bit about the individual, but it's also about the community. And sometimes, not always, not, not forever, but sometimes you do have to sacrifice your own needs for the good of others. And that seems to be something that is getting missed because there's a lot of individualism that has been a part of our culture for so long where we're, we advance through a situation like this and it's just not, not something that, that comes easy to people saying like, you know what? It's going to be an uncomfortable year and it's okay. It's not forever. It can be nine months. It can be 12 months. It can be 18 months, but it's not forever. And if you don't, if you're not able to do everything you want to do, and if you're not able to have the life you want to have for 18 months, it's not that big a deal when it means that you're taking care of others and it's okay. And I don't see, like, I see more as the, the live your best life spirituality and not the let's take care of each other spirituality. Um, And. Oh man, you, you just, you know, covered something that's so important. And I'm so glad you said that um, in this episode, because I think it is important for people to start getting into that mentality that says, yes, you know, I want to be great. I want all these amazing things, but I can't have this if the rest of the world is crumbling, you know? So you advancing and living your best life at the expense of, you know, the rest of the collective or at the fact that you don't want to wear a mask for goodness sake, or you don't want to do something Mm -hmm. that's so small that you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. if you don't believe it works, then just do it anyway. (laughs) You know, it's not Mm going to kill you. Um, People are much more, um, oh, poor me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. 2020 and COVID for me, with all the devastation, and I don't want to minimize it, I think it has been such an important year collectively in humanity to really say the system we've been living under is not working. It's not functioning optimally. It is at the detriment of most of us. And if we don't change our line of thinking, if we don't change our vibrational frequency, if we don't start speaking about these spiritual practices, we're gonna say, you know, respecting each other, I genuinely don't know how we're gonna continue to move forward, right? Because without love, without hope, I don't see a better world. No, I don't think the 21st century would have ended well if we, if there was no coronavirus and if if we had just gone on the way we were um i mean just from the environmental perspective we would have been over but there also economically and politically and uh, there's a, there was a lot that needed to change and we just didn't have the wherewithal to to change it and we probably still don't but um it's the beginning of a, of a process of change. And uh, I have faith in humanity because we've always figured it out at some point. So uh, I have, I'm hopeful that we will. Uh, and I agree. I, I, I like, I'm not like, I'm not disconnected from the devastation. I got the virus and I was very sick. So I understand the suffering that comes with this process of change, but it's, there's no question that it's a blessing in disguise. Oh, man. Okay, Andrew, clearly we can keep speaking forever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to end it here, but thank you so much.
That was such a cool interview with Andrew. We discussed so much that I didn't think we would, but that's the beauty of conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And if you don't believe in numerology, download Teledipity and let me know how it goes. As usual, guys, please do like, share, subscribe, and I'll speak to you soon.